time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Hey, I got a question for you. Why do we need to pray? Why pray? Why do we pray? I mean, does it do any good? You think it does? Hmm. Well, I mean, if God is God, if God's God, why do we need to change? Why do, why do we need to pray? I mean, isn't he going to just do what he's going to do anyway? And I mean, are we, do we pray to change God's mind or to twist his arm to get him to do something different or beg? Change our minds. Okay, I'm just trying to stir you up a little bit this morning. I've often said prayer is the greatest unused resource that we have as, as believers. It's probably the greatest resource that we have, but it's, we don't use it that much. I was praying through the middle of the night. I was, I was speaking in tongues, and Sasha, our German shepherd, she started howling. <laughs> And she's, whoa, 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 whoa. So I thought, is she praying or what? You know, so I have this little thing. I get her a treat at night when it's time to go to bed. And I said, okay, lay down. I said, we're going to pray. So she'll get down and she put her hands like that. And she waits for me. And I'll stick that treat before, between her legs. And she puts her head down and I pray for Sasha. And I say, amen. And then she watches me and then she, she'll pull that treat in real easy. She doesn't snag it down. Prayer. What is the purpose of it? Maybe that's why we don't use it so much. Maybe we don't really understand the, the real purpose of prayer. But we need to. I think, I was asking the Lord, I was, you know, of course, different things to, to, to preach on. And he said, my people need to learn how to pray. And so I said, okay. You know, I'm thinking, okay. I mean, there's a lot of messages and series on prayer. But he said they need to know the purpose of prayer. But to know the purpose of prayer, we've got to really know our purpose. And what is our purpose? Well, we know God's will, his ultimate will, is for us to know him and then make him known. But you know, what has he called us to do? I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let's go to the, to the beginning. We'll try to get from Genesis to Revelation here pretty soon and see how how quick we can get through there. That one guy said, uh, the Lord gave me three 30-minute sermons. I'll try to get them all in. <laughs> We're not that today. We're gonna stop when he says stop, but we need to take a look at this. I don't know if we really understand what our purpose is, and if we don't fully understand our purpose, we're not gonna understand the purpose of prayer at all. In Genesis chapter one, Verse 26, reading from the New King James Version, it says, Then Jesus said, Let us make, or then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, everybody say them, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Say dominion. Dominion. Now, dominion's getting a a bad rap these days because there's this move called uh, NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. And you know, if Satan can't fool you, he'll, he'll try to push you to the extreme. And one of the things that happens in that movement on those that are on the edge that just start to all of a sudden distort, you know, and things go crazy is that they say that we're to use dominion to the point of where we begin to take control over everything so that we can get God, establish God's kingdom and make it just right so Jesus can come back to a perfect kingdom so he can rule and reign. No, we ain't ever going to do that. (laughs) Now, when Jesus comes back, he sets up his kingdom, okay? So we don't have to do that before he comes back. I can tell you what, those people that believe that are going to be standing there doing whatever they're all doing when we're caught up in the rapture and out of here. You know, that's what they're going to hang around here to try to do. See, so you distort things the more you push it, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to know what dominion's all about. And it's almost like this today, this day and age, if you say something about dominion or that you're going to teach dominion, then you're already labeled as new apostolic reformation. Well, I've been teaching this since the eighties. I mean, Charlie, I, I know y'all heard probably some of the first messages I ever taught was about, uh, dominion and authority that the authority of the believer I mean, that's a foundational truth, the authority of the believer. The problem is, is that Satan doesn't want us to realize this. You know, I, I, <laughs> I've been fighting uh, some health issues this week, and man, I'll, it's like up and down, up and down, and I just, I really feel like that the devil's mad. He does not want us to even talk about authority over him. Our dominion. Now, Isaiah talks about um, Lucifer and the fall. Ezekiel also describes him and said he was the most beautiful um, being that there was. Just how beautiful uh, Lucifer was. And even called the anointed cherub that guarded. He guarded the, the holy presence of God. But it says he was filled with iniquity. What's iniquity? It's, it's sin and it's self-willfulness. And he says, I will set myself up before God. I will be in the, he's all these, I will until, you know, he was all exalted and God said, Hey, we ain't having none of that. We ain't having none of that. So he cast him out in revelation. It talks about when the, that dragon, that red dragon, Oh, Satan, that, that dragon, when he was hurled there in Revelation 12 from heaven, it says, and his tail swept one-third of the angels. And that's kind of where we get this, that one-third of the angels fell. When Satan fell, he led about a third of the angels. The good news is, is two-thirds stayed. We, we got, there's more with us than it's against us, amen? Like Elisha told his servant, oh, there's more for us than there are against us. But Satan has this thing, and so what he 
thrives on, he has to have authority. He has to have dominion. Now, what is dominion? Let me give you from this, the Old Testament word here is radah, radah. And it means to tread down, to subjugate, which means to bring under domination or control, especially by conquest. I mean, this is a strong word, to bring under domination, to rule over it all, to have dominion. Where it says that you shall have dominion, it means to prevail against, to reign, rule over, take those things. Pretty strong word, isn't it? But that's what he gave to, to Adam, to mankind. See, when he was creating, when he said, um, remember I had you say the, them up there in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have, let them have dominion. That means them, mankind. That means us too. You're a them, okay? So that means for us today too. And uh, this, this word is very strong. Exercising domain is what it means. And an area controlled by a ruler or government. We're to have dominion. That means that we exercise domain, uh, a certain uh, area that's ruled by a government. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. When we pray that, we are exercising dominion and authority. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, come into this place right here, right now, wherever I am. See, uh, the Jews were watching for the, the kingdom of heaven to be established when the Messiah would come and set up his throne and and rule and reign, but you know, there was a time when they rejected him and, and Jesus taught, you know, he says, you know, boy, it, it was, you were close. And from that time on, after John the Baptist, he started talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God is within you. So, so it's different than what the Jews were looking for. Now, that kingdom will be established at the end of the seven, tri- seven years of tribulation when Jesus comes and puts, you know, and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord and, and that he establishes his throne and rules on and over the earth. So then he, that time will happen in a thousand year reign. But right now, it's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It rules his kingdom, his jurisdictional authority. Who has jurisdiction, you know, in this place? Jeff could stand up. He's the commander of the uh, police academy and talk about jurisdiction. And who has jurisdiction in this particular pality? That's, you know, that's why there's principalities and powers and rulers and high places. They try to rule over certain areas. But we have been given dominion and authority to exercise that, that control and establish a domain. Establish a domain. A, a government, so to speak. Well, what government do we represent? <laughs> the kingdom of God, amen? His government, his, that he is the head of all. Uh, so we're to exercise this. this now, 
the thing about dominion, I mean, whoever has dominion and whoever is exercising dominion, whether good or bad, that's, that's what it means. As they rule over, they subjugate it, they, are, they control it all, rule it all, press it down, hold it back, they're the ones. Well, you see, God had dominion and he chose to give it to mankind. And what's the neat thing about God is, is that, um, you know, when he gives us something, it says the gifts and callings of God are, they are uh, without forgiveness, or in other words, he won't uh, take them back. They're without repentance, is how King James says it. They're irrevocable. He won't revoke. So if he gives you something, uh, you might do something and lose it, but he won't come and take that back and say, well, you didn't handle it right anyway, so I'm just going to take that back. You don't get it anymore. God doesn't do that. When he give, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He will not revoke that. So what God gave in Genesis chapter 1, there in verse 26 and following, that's still in existence. The problem is that Adam and Eve didn't know what they had. And first chance they got, here you go, parents. God's the perfect parent, don't you think? Perfect father. And his two kids... First chance they got, <laughs> rebelled against him. Hmm. That ought to make you feel encouraged a little bit when your kids don't do what you're instructing them to do. He walked with them, talked with them, taught them, every, you know. But first chance they got, Satan comes and he tempts. And, uh, oh, no, we can't eat that. You know, God said, well, die. oh, you won't surely die. You know, you're not going to die, die physically. But they would die Spiritually, a separation, death is separation, right? And so when Adam and Eve sinned, they became, they broke this perfect relationship between God. Now, dominion and authority can really only be exercised when there is a perfect relationship. And when you're in right standing with God and and a a righteous uh, relationship with God Almighty, well, that lets... Boy, that let us all out, wouldn't it? Well, see, that's what happened. When Adam and Eve sinned, they broke that relationship that they had with the Father. And so sin entered into the world and it was passed on. Well, Satan gained that dominion and authority. He ruled with it. He, throughout the Old Testament, you'll find these certain kings of Tyre and, oh, and various ones that will exalt themselves. And, and it's Satan exalting himself in that king. And, and just as Isaiah would prophesy against them and various things, you can see the very character, Satan's nature. And then when he's talking to him, he's really, he starts out addressing the king, but it's, that, it's Satan in that person that's doing the evil. So Satan ruled and he had the keys of, now the the keys are representing authority of death, hell and the grave. I mean, even the righteous at that time, when they died, they had to go to a holding place. They called it Abraham's bosom or upper Sheol and lower Sheol was there when the, Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus and they both died and the rich man went to lower Sheo and he was just, it was a place of torment, it says, and he just uh, was just burning and, and, he'd, and he looked up and he could see Lazarus. 
in Upper Shio, and he said, oh, that you would just dip your finger in some water and touch my, you know, bring it to me, or go tell my brothers that you don't want to come to this place. And he said, no, you had your chance. Hebrew says it's appointed on man once to die, and after this is the judgment. You don't get a, it's not purgatory, and you don't get prayed out of it. They were in hell, but it was lower Shio and upper Shio. So that, Satan actually had control over death. He held even the righteous dead. Thank God for Jesus. Let me get ahead just a little bit because in that upper Shio, it says when Jesus died, he went and he says in Ephesians chapter four, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. But he led captivity captive. He went in, he busted through upper Shio and he says, okay guys, y'all go on. Hey, you know, have a good time for a little while through Jerusalem, whatever. I'll be back. I'll be back. And he went <laughs> as the great terminator. And he went, and it says in the Bible that he preached uh, to those held in, in uh, that, that was there in hell, and to I think to those angels. And he made a show of them openly. I think he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, stripped Satan of his power, and he held him out, and he says. <laughs> I want to tell you, I'm the champion. I'm the champion now. You know, in, in Old Testament time, when they would go out to fight a battle and when you would conquer the enemy and you'd conquer that enemy's king, you would bring them behind and they'd have to walk behind in captivity and they would, they would come into Jerusalem and, and go up the hill of Zion, you know, and just make a show of the, the enemy openly so everybody would say, that's who was tormenting us? You know, they would boo them and just, just ridicule them and that's what Jesus was doing. He made a show of Satan openly, amen? Well, he busted out of that place and said he led captivity captive. And, uh, but so man lost this dominion. So how is he going to get it back? And see, that's the, that's the whole thing for years. Satan had this, this power, this dominion, this authority. And, and, um, so what was it going to take? Hebrews, is it six, four without the, the shedding of blood? There's no remission of sins. See, there's. Hebrews 4, 6 or Hebrews 6, 4 or something like that. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Blood has to be shed for sins to be forgiven. But it had to be a perfect life. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. It had to uh, follow the righteousness that was demanded by the law. And see, the law showed how unrighteous we are and how righteous God is. No man could ever attain that. And so for years, man was just lost in this thing and, and, uh, and with no hope and no authority, and no dominion, Satan had it all. Well, um, so Jesus, you know, I think he stepped up and said, I'll tell you what, I got an answer to the problem. I'll go, I'll go. I'll make a way. I'll make a way from them. And so Jesus came. And it had to be, since a son of man, the first Adam lost dominion and authority, the son of man, the second Adam, had to gain it for all mankind. 
Sometimes we think, well, this is not fair just because Adam and Eve sinned that, you know, here now, man, I'm a sinner, you know, I inherited all that. Well, hey, I think it's pretty fair because God turns around and looks and says, but by one man, Jesus, he paid the price. And so now then, identify you with him. So that forgiveness came by one man, Jesus. Dominion doesn't necessarily mean ownership, but it means rulership. Learning to rule and reign. Adam and Eve didn't know what they had. They didn't really understand their position on earth. They were to rule over it all. They were to, you know, to control it all. God gave that to them so that they could uh, be fruitful. They could multiply. They could, you know, and, and, you know, as we as believers, we're to, we're to go out and witness and multiply and more Christians be born again. But let me ask you this question. So, does that mean that whatever happens on earth uh, is determined by mankind and not by God? If dominion, if God gives us dominion and we have the responsibility then to rule over it all and to govern it all and to determine the things, does that mean then that whatever happens on earth is determined by us and not by God? Actually, yes, it does. That whatever happens here on earth is really determined by us and what we do. You know, it's such a strange thing. Um, you know, if not, God lied in saying that uh, man has dominion. He lied and he didn't really give us dominion if that was the case. So what happens on earth now that it's been regained depends upon what we determine and what we do. Um, God honors the choices that people make. He gave us a free will. He honors our choices, whether good or bad. You know, he's not a pushy God. I've often wondered, I, I, I remember as a young minister, tragic things would happen. You know, whether it be uh, infant death or a tragic accident or something that you just have to shake your head and like, why? And we don't understand all things. God does, but, you know, in this life that we have with God, he, he gives us a free choice. Uh, when he gives us dominion, you know, we, we then have this free will to make certain choices and God honors those choices. But in that freedom and in this realm of freedom that, that God extends Things go wrong. Things go wrong. But God would rather take the risk of what is going to go wrong than just to make us robots and have everything just checked out. And here we go. And it just, this is the way the day goes. And, you know, God has it all ordered out. And what good would that do? I mean, how would he judge us? How, if we stood before him, how would he judge us? How would we be good or bad if he's just made us to do all these things. Sometimes things go wrong. And that's not, it's not easy. But when those things go wrong, God has also provided a grace that is sufficient for us. You know, man, I just, it's hard to understand when you see violent uh, 
deaths or certain things like that. And I, I know that the Father's heart is broken on things like that. But yet, in all those things, you know, he will stand, then that person has to give an account for their deeds and their actions. God is a righteous God. He's a just God, and he will judge according to our actions and the choices that we made. You know, um, Romans talks about that uh, we'll have to give an account for the things that we do. But why does, um, you know, I guess that's, again, that that would be the question. Why does God God allow bad things to happen? Well, because he knows that in this freedom that he extends, things happen. Just be like you giving the keys to your teenager. They've got a license and they've taken driver's ed. But Neil, when you take those keys and you hand them to them, you know that I'm taking a risk. If everything's good, it'll be fine, right? But they're just going to McDonald's. The worst place to get out of in the whole city, right? <laughs> you ever try to get out of McDonald's, drive through back onto, you know, 1462? Or, oh, just going to Sonic. Oh, no. Trying to get out of Sonic onto Gordon. You run a risk, don't you? Oh, Yeah. Well, God knows he takes a risk with us as well. But um, he's willing to take that risk. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or evil. You know, it's just like that famous uh, quote from Uncle Ben to Spider-Man, with great power comes great I knew y'all would know that one. <laughs> great responsibility. But isn't that true? With great power comes great responsibility. With dominion and authority comes great responsibility. We need to live a life of excellence before God and in wisdom to know what we need to do. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 Moses said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, we're the ones who must make the choices. The choices are ours. Wouldn't it just be easy if God could do that and we wouldn't have to worry about it? Just get up in the morning and say, okay, well, I don't have to worry about anything. God's got it all lined out for me. Well, I think that he can, you know, if we turn it over to him and surrender it all to him, I think he can help us to line out some things. I, you know, I believe that we can let the, be led by the spirit, you know, but we have to make a choice to be led by the spirit. See, so still it's our choice. It's our choice. Dominion. How do we function in this thing? In Hebrews chapter two, verses six through eight, The writer says, but there is a place where someone has has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under, under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. When he says put everything under his feet, what he's talking about 
He was to have authority over all of his creation on the earth. Put all things under his feet. You know, that means even Satan, he's put under our feet. If you want to, you don't have to talk to Satan. I don't talk to Satan. He's not worth my time. If I want to tell him something, I'll write it on the bottom of my shoe and let him read it from there. He's under my feet. I think Bob for years always had something on his, on his shoe. But, you know, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's not worth our time. Here's the thing. He said that you're to rule it all. He placed all things on our feet. You're to rule it all, govern it all, be head of it all. And God made, uh, made us for that intent and purpose. You were, I like to say it like this, you were born with the, the seeds of greatness and you're engineered for success. That's what God has done. Born with the seeds of greatness and, and um, engineered. God specifically designed us for his work and for his kingdom and to begin to exercise dominion and authority. And so listen to this statement right here. You might want to jot it down. Nothing, nothing has been left outside of the dominion of the man who walks in right fellowship and relationship with God. Nothing has been left out of the dominion of the man who walks in right fellowship and relationship with God. But how are we going to get that? How are we going to get this right relationship? How are we going to get this right fellowship with God? Because our dominion comes from a right relationship and a right fellowship with God. Well, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that you are justified. You are declared to be righteous. You're declared to be in that perfect relationship with God, in that fellowship with him. You are declared righteous. Are you, are you a, a child of God today? Are you saved? Then you are in a right relationship with God. Amen? You're in a right relationship with God, and so he sees you through his son, Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he didn't say, look, Adam and Eve, you blew it with this dominion and authority stuff. You ain't getting another chance, you know? So now Satan has it. Well, uh, the interesting thing on that is that, you know, how was Jesus going to get it back? He had to go. And, and as I said a while ago, that uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And so he had to go and live that life as a son of man. He even referred to himself, the son of man, several times, the son of man. And uh, to live that perfect life so that when he, that he shed his blood and paid the price and redeemed us, redeemed us back to God, and then he took dominion and authority. Now see, I think it's um, Luke chapter four, verse six. Um, a lot of people don't see this scripture. So turn there, Luke chapter four, verse six. I'm reading from the New International Version. When Jesus was being tempted... Satan's having a conversation with him. And Satan, by the way, if you see the, the description of him in Ezekiel, he was the most intelligent of all the, the beings. He's no dummy. And we, we talk him down and all different things like that, but he's very wise. He's very crafty. So he's talking to Jesus, and he knew what Jesus came to do. But uh, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, you know. I'm sure he's reminding him, Jesus, of this tough time that he's been having these 40 days in the wilderness and, and that Jesus was ultimately there to regain dominion and authority. I mean, that's everything. 
in this supposed game of life, let's say, dominion and authority is it. That's tops. You've got to have that to win the game. You've got to have it. And so in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, Satan, it says, and he said to him, Satan says to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Now listen to this. I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Here he is. Watch out, Jesus. Watch out, Jesus. The difference was Satan wasn't talking to Eve or Adam. He's talking to Jesus. And Jesus knew already that that wasn't the way. Oh, that'd been the easy thing. He's not... But Satan would have, and all he needed, all Jesus needed to do is fall down and worship him, which meant then that Satan would still really be the ruler of it all. But he would, you know, hey, you know, I, I can give it to you. Ah, Jesus wasn't fooled. You know, I, we don't have everything was that went on there, but I, I can just imagine, and maybe this is just my imagination, but I can just see Jesus staring him down and say, look, buddy, I'll get it. I'll get it back. Don't you worry. I'll get it back. Satan thought he had him, you know, when he was beaten and crucified and hung his head. And when Jesus said it was finished, Satan interpreted that the wrong way. Jesus didn't mean, I've had it, I give up. He says, I did it. (laughs) I did it. It's finished. It's finished. It's accomplished. Satan thought he had him until Jesus showed up in his living room and said, I'm taking those keys, buddy. And this is who y'all are following? <laughs> well, you, you better think about that a little bit. And so, and it says that Jesus made a show of him openly and then he, he ascended and he led captivity captive. He busted through lower Sheol and knocked a big hole in upper Sheol and says, we don't need this place anymore. He says, now you'll go to the Father in heaven. Oh, we're going to have a great cloud of witnesses, and they're up there. We don't go to some holding tank down here anymore because Satan, isn't, uh, he doesn't have control. He doesn't have dominion over death, hell, or the grave. I don't fear death. I don't fear the grave because you know, my God, my Lord controls it. He's the one that has the power over that. Amen? Amen. And so... You know, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what Satan has done and what he did. And he came and he, he came and stole the authority, the dominion and authority from Adam and Eve. And he kept it and he used it and he ruled as a tyrant and, uh, for all those years until Jesus came and took it back. Well, praise God for, for victory. So now then, uh, we have regain this dominion and this authority. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, speaking of Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. That's what Jesus did. He destroyed Satan who held the power of death And he says, just in case we were missing it, he says, that is the devil. Jesus came as the son of man who had lost dominion in that state of of dominion lost. In John chapter five, 
and verse 26. He says, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. He says, now that that authority has been given back. He says, I have life. I have this Zoe. I have life as God has it. And then he gives that to us. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The only way to solve this problem was to give his only son. And whoever then believes that Jesus is the the one and only will not perish, but have that Zoe everlasting life, life that goes on forever, life as God has it. And it doesn't just start when we get to heaven. It starts now at the instant of salvation. That Zoe life starts. That'd be a good place for an amen. Hallelujah. You know, in John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus, when he was... uh, um, talking about he took upon himself our humanity because only as the son of man could he carry out the judgment in this world. It says there in uh, John 12, verse 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. That's what he told the disciples. They weren't understanding all this thing about when he said he, he had to die. No, because they were thinking, no, you got to set up your kingdom. You're the Messiah. You're going to set up your, your throne and, and rule and reign. He's like, you're not understanding rule and reign. Oh, I'm going to rule. I'm going to reign and you're going to rule and you're going to reign, but they weren't getting it. And he said, so he told him, he says, now is the time for judgment. Right now, judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. That was before he was crucified. The prince of this world will be driven out. And Satan lost it. Amen. Jesus came in God's image and likeness to produce a a family. Amen. Back to God. A a family of sons and daughters in, in God's image and in God's likeness that we would once again... Um, take this dominion and authority and begin to exercise it and begin to use it. Now, what do we do with it? Well, why pray? Why pray? I had a message one time kind of along this line, some of these, and, and the title was, why on earth do we pray to God in heaven? So, Paul said in Romans eight twenty six that uh, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He says, we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to pray. But the, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because he knows the mind and the will of God. Now, God respects the delegated authority that he's given. And he won't override that delegated authority unless he's asked to come and intervene. Oh, I'm so glad that he shows up. Man, there's times when I feel like that Satan just pushing down just like Goliath, but I can feel behind me the presence of almighty God that just like a little kid gets up. We have two dogs. One's a Yorkie. It's Christian's dog. She's a Yorkie. Aria. Yorkies. Just bark, bark, bark. And they just have this tenacious... um, Ah, they're not afraid of anything, it doesn't seem like. And 
then we have Sasha, the German shepherd. And she's kind of like, whatever will be. And so, you know, one night I let him out to go outside and Sasha, she could tell something was out there. So she'd kind of been barking and uh, I didn't know it. Had a headlamp on, what's going on? There was a possum down from the house quite a ways uh, by our pump house had got to there and Sasha knew it was there. Well, Aria, she doesn't know. She's just going to, well, Sasha, I'm going to bark. I'm going to get there first, you know, because I'm, I'm who I am. <laughs> she just goes out there. I mean, just, wah, 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 and she's going to tear it up. And Sasha, she's right behind her. And so I've got this light on now. Now I see the eyes of this possum come running around and hit this tree and go up. And so Aria, she didn't know what all was up. And so she runs around and she says, bark, bark. And that possum goes, like that. And she goes, she runs back. And boy, that's when Sasha kicked in. And she was about to try to climb that tree. She was going back, back Aria up. And I thought, boy, there's so many times that we're just like, we're going to run out there and we're just going to shake the world, you know. <laughs> the devil just looks at us. We're like drawn back. But all of a sudden feel that presence that's behind us that's so much greater than who we are. He backs us up, amen. <laughs> and so he's with us. He respects his delegated authority that he's given to us. He won't override it unless he's invited to come in, to step into the arena that we're in. God, he's an ever-present help in my time of need. Why do I pray? <laughs> Lord, I need you now. I need you now. See, any time that we need him, we can call upon him. We're to exercise dominion and authority to get that done. I need more than me. I need wisdom beyond natural wisdom. I need ability beyond natural ability. I need strength beyond natural strength. The Holy Spirit is there to give all that characteristic to me, the character of Christ. He can come when we ask. That's why Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open unto you. Ask. Well, if you look at the first letter, or the letters in ask, A, or I guess you do it backwards, A, ask, K, ask, seek, knock. He says, ask, just ask. I'm right here, ready. I've given you dominion and authority. You would, I want you to rule it all. I want you to advance my kingdom wherever you go, wherever the sole of your feet touch. Bring about and establish my, uh, my kingdom where I'm ruling and reigning. When we realize that we are God's representatives. We are his ambassadors. We are God's representatives. And wherever we go, we ought to be advancing the kingdom of God. It makes you think twice before you go some places that you go. You're representing him. I've told this story before. I heard it a long time ago at Prince Charles from England. This is way, way back. I think it might have been in the 60s. He came over and he was coming to Dallas. And so Dallas said, man, we're, this is cool. I mean, we're going to put on the dog here and we're going to you know, take care of the prince. And so they had a big 
you know, cowboy hat for him. And they had the Dallas cheerleaders out there in their little skimpy outfits and all that stuff, you know, to do all their things. And so they wanted to take some pictures of Prince Charles. And he said uh, he appreciated it, but he was there to represent his country. And he couldn't take pictures with those girls. That was, that wouldn't represent his country well. Oh my goodness. And we represent the kingdom of God. Where are we going? What are we saying? What are we doing? Because when people see us, they're supposed to see the kingdom. When people, amen. So we're to pray. And Paul said, you know, in Ephesians, he said, uh, in, in chapter 6, verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. He said, pray. Pray with all kinds of prayers. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his, na- his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Wow. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray with dominion and authority. We need to pray with power. That says, devil, you have no right here. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Disease has to bow before Jesus. Sickness has to bow before Jesus. Poverty has to bow before Jesus. Things have to bow before him, amen? Who are we? We're a child of God. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He told me that I was the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. How dare Satan try to tell me that I'm less than that? I'll exercise a domain. I'm going to control this domain. All knowledge that comes into this domain will be knowledge of God. Don't you entertain this garbage going around in our world today of tolerance. I am so sick of turning on the television and seeing two men or two women together. It's ridiculous. It's repulsive. I can't believe it. It's so blatant. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can't hardly turn the television on on any station without seeing that. And God didn't make us that way. You know, but we're to be tolerant. And, and then it's like, Sandy and I, we like to watch The Voice or America's Got Talent or something like that. And I think that's been on. Well, when somebody comes on and openly says, you know, how bad they were treated and that they're, they're gay. And oh, it's like, oh, and it's like they get more favor. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, okay, if you're, the world just treat them all the same. But for me, that, that something still pierces my heart. I don't hate those people. I love those people. God loves them. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. The thing is, though, we're being conditioned to believe that. That means that someone, something is exercising dominion over our domain here in the United States of America, and they're doing our job, and we're not. Why? Because we don't know how to exercise dominion and authority. 
I've walked around cities. I've walked around buildings exercising the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ and see things happen. We walked around a bar, <laughs> a bar one time and because it was in a place where a bunch of kids were and everything. And I don't know, somebody was there, they were saying, you know, that they were supposed to vote whether they're supposed to be there or not. Well, let's just go pray around. And we just walked around and prayed. Lord, we just, de- we just claim this ground for you. We exercise dominion and authority right now. This domain, the kingdom of God's coming to this place. The kingdom of God's coming to this place. You know what? Pretty soon that place shut down. Good thing it's liable to burn down. <laughs> Martin Luther, I think they talked about how they used to meet in the upstairs of a bar. And when they'd be singing everything, everybody downstairs, they couldn't enjoy their, they couldn't enjoy their beer or nothing like that because those Christians up there singing. So they just shut the bar down and they ended up buying it and making a church out of it. I mean, where are the days when it was respected that you didn't do anything on Sunday, but get ready to come to church. You didn't do anything on Wednesday nights. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to get started preaching here, but I'm telling you, we need to understand that we have a responsibility. See, we've got this great power that's been given to us. Dominion and authority. Are you getting this? This is what God gave to us to rule it all, to exercise it all, to govern it all. That's a great responsibility. That's a great power. You know what? We'll give an account one day of what we did with it. What did you do with it? Hmm. Did you show tolerance? Yeah, I've walked around abortion clinics. It all dwindled down to four of us pastors up there in 1992, I believe it was, walking around that, the new abortion clinic, and they turned the sprinklers on us. We were in our suits and different things, and hey, cooled us down a little bit. I thought it doesn't matter to me. What I was doing was praying for those young ladies and those unborn babies to have an opportunity to have a free choice, to have a free choice to live for God or not. And so during that time, you know, the devil's always whispering, you think you're accomplishing anything? And of course, here's all the people in the clinic hollering out at us and calling us all kinds of names and various things like that. A couple other guys went up there with me. Uh, I didn't see them around. Pretty soon as we're walking, a young lady came. She was getting ready to go into the clinic and she said, ask one of the counselors there, what are those guys doing? She said, they're praying. Praying for what? Praying for you. Why pray for me? Praying that you'll make the right decision. That you'll really consider this decision that you're about to make because you won't get a chance again. And so she began to ask some questions. The counselor led her to the Lord. That happened about, I think it was 13 times, 13 young ladies that day made a choice to turn around and walk away. Amen. Why? Because just four preachers decided, you know what? Today, we'll exercise dominion and authority. You know why? Because a judge told me that I couldn't do that. I said, oh, really? I'm I'm sorry. Sometimes there's a... You know, I'd been gone to Topeka, Kansas holding a revival meeting. I came back and all this stuff's going on and 
some of the pastors called up and they're all standing around. They said, we need a preacher, a pastor to lead the group in prayer. We need a pastor. So I'm like, well, I just got here. So I'm not, you know, I don't know really what's going on. And we need somebody to lead our group in prayer. So about 200 people standing there. So finally I'm thinking, are there any other pastors here? So I said, okay, well, I'll lead in prayer. Well, about the time I started leading prayer, a constable stepped out and said, you're in violation of an injunction from Judge Eileen O'Neill that you can't pray here. I said, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to, uh, we're, we're entitled to a solemn assembly. Isn't that correct? In our constitution? So I'm just getting ready to solemnize this assembly. I never thought of that. The Lord just gave me wisdom right there. I said, so I'm getting ready to solemnize this assembly. And he says, well, how are you going to do that? I says, hmm, I don't know. That's the, that's the good thing about being an American. I can just, however I want to decide to do it. So he was watching. So I just turned around and I said, father, I thank you. <laughs> and off we went. Well, I had to go to court. I didn't get arrested. I didn't get arrested. They just, I had to appear. And so when the attorney was questioning me and all this stuff and, you know, like I was in on some of these people that came to do whatever, I don't know. And, you know, why was I there? I came to pray. I was invited to come and, and to pray. And so, so finally he's like stammering and stuttering and all this other stuff. And cause he's like, well, Reverend Golden, I don't like the term Reverend. And he says, uh, don't you have a church? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, why don't you just pray in your church? I said, you know, every Sunday I encourage our people that the church is just the base of operation out the doors is the field of labor. And that's out where we exercise all the privileges that we have as believers. Why should I tell them to go out and pray on the streets or wherever they feel like praying and me not do the same thing? Well, you know, whatever it is. So finally, this Judge Eileen O'Neill got tired of all that. And she looked, I'm sitting here in this, you know, the lower thing, and she's up here. And she looks down and she says, well, Reverend Golden, did you know that I had an injunction, that I placed an injunction? And I go, no, ma'am, I didn't. And she says, well, now you know. And I says, yes, ma'am, I do. So she says, so then what are you going to do tomorrow morning at eight o'clock? I says, I'm going to go pray. <laughs> and so I began to, I had picked up a little book of the constitution and I began to read the, my, the rights that we have. And you know, they struck all that from the testimony. But the whole thing there is that I'm not telling you that you have to be, go out and I mean, that might sound really radical, but I don't know that's what the Lord said to do at that particular time. But what I learned out of that is dominion. By the way, um, they couldn't continue the, the court because a hurricane was coming. <laughs> I don't know. If, usually we have plenty of notice of all that. And so they had to dismiss court. They were all nervous. And so um, on that whole thing, I can't remember now how it all came about, but she was replaced by a Christian, John Devine. I think he's still the judge in that position up there. But the whole thing is, is that people, we have been given this position of dominion and authority. Try it. Try it. I mean, when, 
you know, I, I hope I always remember to do this, but I try to remember that when I step into a hospital, I say, Lord, we're just taking this whole facility into your kingdom right now. You rule and reign above all things. Every doctor that works here, every nurse, every staff member now is under your jurisdictional authority. The decisions that this doctor makes guide his hands. Give him wisdom beyond his natural wisdom. Cause things to go according to your will, not man's will. Man, how many times does it come back like, oh, I don't know how that happened and all this stuff. Step on an airplane. Oh yeah, Jesus, this is your airplane now. <laughs> you know, wherever the president steps on, whatever airplane he steps on, that's Air Force One. So whatever airplane we step on, that is Air, whatever. <laughs> that's God's airplane. Amen. And you set it apart for him. Boy, there's one, we were flying back from Mombasa, Kenya to Nairobi to go pray for the president's mother that he requested that we, that we come and pray for her. So we got on an airplane, a Kenyan airline. They buy their planes second or third hand from somebody, I don't know. But we're flying, of course, Tony Cunniff's on the, the airplane and he begins to see hydraulic fluid shooting down the wing. He turns to me and says, you see that hydraulic fluid? I go, I wish you hadn't pointed that out. <laughs> no, I hadn't. I was doing just fine. <laughs> and, but you know, then I remembered, wait a minute. When we got on this airplane, we said, Lord, Kenyan Airlines now becomes Heaven's Airlines. <laughs> becomes the Kingdom of God Airline. Lord, I thank you. And just the same old, just the same old thing. Lord, I thank you that we're going to have a safe flight. It's all going to go accordingly. And so he said, well, he called the attendant over to tell her to go tell the pilot and all this stuff. And Sandy said, well, so is it bad? I said, could be, but Jesus, it's his airplane. <laughs> we're in his kingdom. We're his representatives. He can't go down until he's ready for us to go down. People, try it. It'll change your prayer life. It's fun. It's fun. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.